just so thank you so much for the service. Um, so far, the songs and the reading, uh, thank you, Brother Jeff, Sister Beth, and Children's Church, Brother Todd, uh, always do such a wonderful job prompting us all to be more childlike, which we need to be. I tell you, I don't get to sit in the front much to look at this beautiful sanctuary, but I want to thank the decorating committee and all you've done to make the church such a beautiful place, uh, such seasonal uh, joy and, and the way you have it set up. Thank you so much for all you do. So I'm going to do a service, uh, ask the Lord to help me. That's what it's going to have to be today. I want to start a series, if the Lord will help me, on joy. And I've entitled it, um, Good Tidings of Great Joy. I'm taking that from Luke chapter 2, as you know. And really, if the Lord would help me, I want to stay in that very verse, or two or three verses, the context of that part of joy. Uh, that came uh, announced by the an angel when uh, our Lord was born here on earth. Um, but I want to use three different or four different categories to that. And today I'm going to start out with what I've entitled the strength of joy. And then next week the Lord will, and uh, I want to try to deal with the source of joy. And then the third week, um, the sacrifice of joy. And, um, and then the last time, this will be the Sunday after Christmas, I suppose, the satisfaction of joy. So thank you for praying for me as I endeavor to study this part of it. Um, there's so much in, in, a, in the scriptures about joy. And, you know, joy is hard to preach about. Can you imagine? And so is the love of God. I mean, I, I can understand mercy. I, I can preach mercy every day and grace. I, I know how much I need it, but, but I cannot fathom how God could love a sinner like me. I, I can't, and, and I can't really tell you to the depth I want to what joy means to God and what it means to you and, and why we're not more joyful is it, beyond me. Hey, if we know that we're born by the Spirit, if you're a believer and you believe in Jesus Christ, and, and you understand that God has reconciled you to Him, and He has by the blood of Christ, and you understand that, and you have assurance that He'll never leave you nor forsake you, and that you know that you are a child of God, and you cannot be joyful? <laughs> now there's something wrong on your side, see? It, it's got to be. And, and, and my side, because, because we need to be joyful. And we have all the reason to be. And I know that you are. I, I'm, I'm talking, preaching, as they say to the choir. Because you are joyful people. You bring a lot of joy to me and, and everybody around you. I know you do. And I just want to encourage you. Really, that's what I want to do. But I want you to know that, that this is joy. And, and it's real joy. And it's the joy that God gives. So today I want to look at the strength of joy. Because that's what really strengthens us. You think about it, if you're doing whatever you're doing in your vocation, if you enjoy what you're doing, you're, you're strong in it. It strengthens you. You're willing to get up every day and do it. Now, if you have to mope around and, you, you know, you're bored about life and everything. And, and see, see, God has called us to, to have strength and joy because God has called us to be joyful at all times. Do you think that God would call us to do something and then, and then just say, well, 
I don't know if they can do it or not. No, he's not going to do that. Joy is the strength that God gives, and it's, a, it's the greatest witness I believe we'll ever have. Because what it says, amongst all that we've been through this year, and all the hurt that I know many of you have dealt with, uh, what it says is, our God reigns. That's what your joy says. And then we need to say that more. I, I mean, you know, uh, what a blessing, what a blessing. I want you to turn with me as we get into this message uh, from the chapter that I mentioned, uh, Luke, uh, the gospel that was announced there, the, the gospel of Luke. So if you turn there with me, I want you to read some verses with me that I know you're familiar with, but I think they, if God's Spirit would allow us to mean so much to us, every word, that's why I think this verse has so much in it that I miss. I think sometimes I, as a preacher, miss talking about this part of Scripture except maybe on Christmas, but joy is an ongoing, everyday thing. You know, every, there's a room in my house uh, that I get up in the morning and go to sometime, and it has, uh, it has two uh, cross-stitch. I think Penny or some of the girls might have put there. It says, one, it says, it's referring to the Proverbs 31, virtuous woman. It says she is clothed in strength and dignity. You, you read about that woman in Proverbs 35. That woman has joy, okay? See, that is her strength. And then the other side of the wall, I noticed this morning, there's a, there's a writing that says, uh, when I rise... Give me Jesus. I tell you, that's how we need to sit because that's where we get our joy is from Jesus. Don't try to find joy anywhere else. It won't last. But Jesus is joy. And what a blessing that is. Look at with me then chapter 2 of Luke. And I want to start with uh, verse 10. Verse 10 through 12. It says, And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. <laughs> that is your joy. That is the source. And this shall be a sign unto you Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, that little baby wrapped in swaddling clothes was none other than a bundle of joy. That little baby would grow. That little baby would walk upon this earth. And he would be God and he would be man. He would be human. And he would live a life that we're supposed to live. And he would do what we could not do and give it to us. And so we can be with God. Now that is joy. But it didn't look like there was going to be any joy there. What I want to say to you is this. Often, where you expect joy to be, it won't be there. But when you don't expect it, joy comes in the least likely places. Sometimes it comes beside a grave of a loved one. Sometimes it comes be be beside a brokenness and failure. I'm going to tell you 
friends, we have a God that is so deep and gracious and mighty in power. He can not only take away the hurt and give us comfort. He is so powerful and strengthens us so much that he, he takes the hurt and turns it into joy. <laughs> That's what God does. Man, what a blessing. What a blessing to know that. So, this is joy. You know, there was a few years ago, there was a little saying, you know, that people said little bracelets were made, even. I was thinking, uh, I think it was uh, WWJD, what would Jesus do? You remember that? So, so I, I was thinking that, the other day when I was studying this, maybe we could say, uh, maybe we could say uh, GTGJ. See? Couldn't we do that for Christmas? Put that on your Christmas tree somewhere. You might make a card. I don't know. But, and what it means, it reminds us uh, good tidings. I bring you, the, the angel said, the angel said, I bring you good tidings of great joy. So that is, that is, or that could be, GTGJ, good tidings of great joy. Now, now this is important because notice, this is what the angel brought to us. See, you don't have to get out and work for joy. God brings it to you. The gift from God. It's like the, the reading on peace. I mean, Jesus says, hey, I'm going somewhere. I'm going to be here physically, but I'm going to leave you something. I'm going to leave you peace. I'm giving it to you. Sometimes we don't have it, though, but, but it doesn't mean that it's not there. I think joy is the same way. I mean, God, God gave us, gives us joy. And when Jesus says in John 10 that he came that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly, what he really means is I came that you might have joy <laughs> and you might have lots of it. So I want to say, I want to say four things from this text and, and look at the strength of joy, the strength of joy. How does joy strengthen us? See, joy is kind of an inside. It's the fruit of the Spirit, first of all. That's how it's got. I mean, the Holy Spirit. That's what's in you. See, what God does, as I understand, if I could, if I could describe this, as I understand in my little mind about salvation, what God does is He writes His law in your heart. And so that we're, 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 we're conscious, we have a conscious anyway, even before that, but then we're conscious that we sin against God when we sin. And you want something that'll burn out the joy in your life, that's what'll do it. And so, so uh, when we see that, we see that, that we need, uh, but not only does he write his law, here's what I want to say. He drills a well, he digs a well of joy in your soul. You have a well of joy in your soul as a believer. But just like in the Old Testament when Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, when they went all the places God led them to go, they, they, water was precious. Joy is precious. And so they would dig a well. 
So the Philistines and the Jebusites and the Pezzarites and all the enemies of Israel, the one thing they would do when they found out where Abraham and Isaac and Jacob hung out, they would dig it, they would cog the wells up. I mean, they knew that was going to do them in. And that's the same thing the devil does. He will stop your joy. Because if you don't have joy, you don't have strength. When you have joy, I mean, that's where you need joy in your marriage. You need joy in the church. You need joy in your work. You need joy in your life. I ask you today, have you got joy? Then why haven't you got joy? I mean, that's what we ought to be. We ought to be ashamed of ourselves because I'm going to tell you, that's what pleases God. He wants to see a joy. He wants to see that we appreciate what he's done for us. So I want to say four things. Number one, I want to say from the strength of joy that it's pure, it's pure joy. Number two, I wanted to see how powerful God's joy is. And number three, how perpetual this joy is. It's not going to run out. And then number four, we need to be promoting joy. Now, i got a few minutes. I think I can try to say that in those few minutes. At least uh, uh, give you a touch of it. Not all that needs to be said, I, I know. Uh, but pure joy. Uh, I mentioned the angel. This message is from God. This message is about joy. This is the first evangelist. This angel is. I want to remind you too that the last evangelist will be an angel. When Gabriel blows his trumpet, that will be the last call that God will make upon earth. Now, this angel though comes and he gives us announcements to the most unlikely people, the shepherds, a people that were despised. They were not looking for joy. They were not looking for Jesus. They were doing their business. They were being shepherds. So what you and I need to do is be doing what God has called us to do. Whatever work you're doing, whatever adventures you're in, you do it. And when God comes and he sees us, he understands that what we need is joy. And God gives us joy. And an angel made this announcement. I think we need to be more involved in our lives when we think about it, of angels and the angelic uh, uh, consequences that means for joy in our lives. I understand that there's an angel in every corner of this world that protects right now from demons. I believe personally in uh, guardian angels. I believe you have one. I believe I have one. And I believe that sometimes we can and do entertain angels, as the scripture says, unawares. So angels are God's messengers. And it says, and the angel said unto them. And he said, first thing he says, fear not. Fear not. So my first point is pure joy. Pure joy is strengthening joy. See, what the angel had to do is understand or make these folks understand this was God, and they knew it. And so if we don't have a Savior and we hear from God, then we better have a lot of fear. 
Because what he had to understand was that Jesus, this incarnate God, would be the one to take away our fear of a holy law that we could not keep. God is that holy. And so we need to see that and thank God for it. So he says, fear not. See, if you're doubting and you're fearful about the future, and you know the world will throw that, does every day. If you're fearful though of it, your joy, I guarantee you, will be shallow and shaky, to say the least. So the angel says, let's fear not. Fear not. And so we need to see that this joy comes from the angel as a message from God to shepherds that were uh, out in the field keeping their flocks, being shepherds, okay? So understand, circumstances, the point here, and I want to look at some other scripture in a minute about that, because I think this confuses us. One of the things that stops up this well of joy that God gives us is circumstances. I'm afraid sometimes we want to wait till our circumstances justify us being joy, joyful. Now, that doesn't make spiritual sense when God says that we're to joy, rejoice always, and again, I say rejoice. Now, I know it doesn't make human sense, but it makes God sense, okay? And understand that God's ways are not our ways. So what produces joy in your life and mine oftentimes will not be what we think it will be. Okay? But this joy is pure joy because it comes from God. And your life and my life has been made pure. At least our souls, our redemptive part of our life by the blood of Christ. I want you to understand that every one of your sins, past, present, and even the ones you haven't committed yet, have all been dealt with by what this little baby came to do uh, from heaven. And he brings pure joy. Pure joy, that's all it is. So what separates us from God is sin. And so... What's happening here, this fear not, and why I wanted to connect it to pure joy, is for a believer, you know this too. Your joy is when you feel the presence of God, isn't it? I mean, if you're in communion with God, it doesn't matter what kind of report comes out or where you're at or what. If you're with God and God is with you, I mean, man, it doesn't matter. I mean, I'm here, God. I have joy. I mean, it's just amazing. You're talking about amazing grace. I'm telling you about amazing joy. And I've seen that among God's people. And I've felt glimpses, even my poor sinful self. But then what breaks that communion? Sin. <laughs> Does for me. Sin will break the community. Sin is an obstacle of joy. That's what it is. And that's why if you don't have joy, man, maybe there's some sin somewhere. <laughs> maybe, um, I'm talking not, not any, it doesn't mean you go out and rob a bank or 
commit adultery. I mean, just your mind, your attitude. You know what? You can have, and I can have a resentful attitude. I won't have any joy. Or I can shuff it over, you know, and, and make up a, make, put a makeup on it and make it look like joy. But it's superficial. What I'm telling you about is pure joy. It's the kind of joy that David crying out for. We ought to cry out for it too. We ought to say, oh God, do not let me have unholy joy or unholy peace. And the world will continually feed us that stuff. We need to cry out to David as he said in Psalm 51, 12, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. That's what we need to be praying for. We need to be praying for joy more than we need to be praying that the COVID-19 will go away or that something will alleviate our circumstances or that we can go back in life and change some things that we did. What we need to go on and say is, Oh God, restore upon me the joy of thy salvation because salvation is pure. Salvation brings us to the point of communion with God. And what a blessing. We see that. What a blessing. So sin will stop our joy up. And I'll tell you something else will chase me. We need to be reminded. Discipline, God disciplines us. He chases us. Just like your parents has some discipline with you. And all of us have had that. Thank God. Chastening. Why do they do that? Because they love you. Why does God do it? Because he loves us. The Bible says he loves them that he chases. But the problem that we have is we don't see that. We don't see that so much as, as bringing joy. I mean, we need to be thankful. I wish I could go back to my parents and tell them, I'm so glad you whipped me. I'm so glad you took that away from me. I mean, you know, just we need to do that with God. Thank you, God, that you didn't let me have what I thought I wanted. <laughs> Thank you, God, for, for saying no. Thank you, God, for that hurt that you gave me because it, it's brought me to understand who you really are and how much joy is in you and there's nothing else. So sin, or chastening rather, you know, I, I really think if we knew how bad we were, really, we wouldn't have any problem with God chasing us. We just don't realize how bad we are. We think we're pretty doggone good, you know. I mean, we think we can just tip our hats at God, you know, in the church. Just tip your hats. That's kind of go, just, oh, I'm a, I'm a Christian. You know what? We need to enjoy God. We don't need to be locked up in some religion, okay? I mean enjoy God every day, every moment. Do not waste any part of your life letting joy be uh, prevented from flowing freely in your heart. You don't ever know who somebody look at. And then... And then we need to say, you know, trials can stop up joy. 
See, trials are different than chastening. Trials, the purpose of trials is to strengthen our faith. And the more we understand and the stronger we believe God, and we believe, let me ask you this, do you believe that God is above all things? Do you believe that God loves you? Do you believe that whatever God allows in your life, it has a purpose? Then if you believe that, then we need to have joy in our most severe trials. Even James, the gospel from James talks about rejoicing when we're hurting, when we're tried, for Jesus' sake. So God does strengthen our faith with trials. But man, that would bring us to joy. And in, and in, and in our confidence, what, are you, what is your confidence in? I think another thing that will clog that well up, God has drilled in our soul with joy. I mean, if, we're comp, if our confidence is in things, or I mentioned circumstances. If we are in people, then, then we're going to have fleeting joy. I want to remind you that Jesus' shoulder is strong enough to carry our guilt and the government. It is. That's how powerful God is. That's how strong and pure His love is. Not to have confidence. Just Jesus. Just Jesus. Not Jesus plus something. Just Jesus. That's pure joy. Okay, secondly, uh, I want us to see this powerful joy. And I want you to turn with me in the Old Testament to Nehemiah. Here's a place I found. I almost went there completely. Boy, this is a beautiful text about joy. And it's What's something I wanted to mention to you, I don't have time to expound upon it, but what I wanted to say about it was it comes when people are mourning. In this case, in Nehemiah, they have understood that they have broken God's law. And then you say, how in the world can that bring joy? That's what we got to get to. See, we got to get to repentance before we find joy. I never dyed any clothes, but I, I did read this somewhere, so I hope it's right. But when you dye fabric, I, I understand that it will take the dye better when it's damp. I mean, some of you probably know for sure, but it makes sense that it would, okay? So what I'm trying to say, joy, and that's the color, so to speak, that God gives us, comes a lot more profoundly displayed in our lives when we're dampened, when we're down. So here in Nehemiah, the people have found out that they have missed the mark. And they are devastated. I wonder that God would give us a spirit of understanding how inadequate we are amongst ourselves and how much sin we commit and affront we give to God even in church. I just wonder that. I don't mean to discourage you with that. I don't want to dampen your heart to understand the joy that God gives us in spite of that. 
when we acknowledge that. Here in Nehemiah chapter 9, of chapter 8, verse 9, and Nehemiah, which is the Toshatha and Ezra, the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. See, they were mourning. They were weeping. They said, Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Why? Because God's word is holy. I mean, that's why this angel again says, Fear not. And then he says in verse 10, Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know what he's saying? I want you to be reminded, every day God gives us to live is a holy day. You hear me? It is from God. God gives you life. You know, when I think about that young 20-year-old man, little son that was killed the other day, Kurt Deal's son, man, you don't know what the day's going to bring. What I want to be, and what I want you to be, and what I know you want to be, I don't want to live every day, any day, as a wasted day, and that needs to be a day that is God's day that we see that this is the day the Lord has made. And I will be glad. I will be happy. I will rejoice. It doesn't mean I'm going to feel like I'm happy. See, God doesn't say be joyful so you'll feel good. What he says is you be joyful because it makes God look good. (laughs) It brings God glory. That's the connection. That's the connection in these verses as well. So now, so it's powerful. I think, and, and this season is a good time to do it, if we would just take some time. And you know, sometimes we get so caught up in doctrine and, and all those things are important, don't get me wrong. But I mean, that's, we probably don't, end, any of us have it all right. <laughs> but, but there's no excuse for us not having joy right. But I think, I think when we see, if we could just take some moments and think about God. Just think about how powerful He is, who He is. His attributes. So, so I believe that if we get around a strong God long enough and often enough, it's going to rub off on us. We're going to be stronger. You get in the Word of God, you're going to be strengthened. You hear me? Because you're going to have joy. We only see the joy is our strength. And we need strength just to make it through this life of sin and sorrow. So, so God is so powerful. And so that word enthusiasm, you know what that means? That means God within. So how in the world can a person be able to cry genuinely and sincerely, Abba Father, and with a sad countenance? You know, I don't know. But we often do it. I think if we did a survey, but most of us would say, we're not as joyful as we ought to be. And we ought to be ashamed of ourselves. Because it means so much to God. And then we see that this joy is perpetual. It's perpetual. It's not going to be reversed. This announcement was made. It's, it's going to last. This Savior, this this. Good tidings of great joy. This is forever. 
God's not going to reverse that. No matter what you do or where you are or what you don't do. See, see, here's the thing I want to make sure we know. When we understand Romans 8, 28, which says all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, them that are called according to His purpose. If I ask you to, everybody raise your hand. I believe that. Now see, that's going to happen. Listen to me now. That's going to happen whether you believe it or not. <laughs> it is. See, that's God. It's not about me saying, well, I, I believe that. I mean, I'm going to kind of work this. No, 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 no. God is way, way above that. But here's the deal. Our comfort and joy in that verse is going to be directly proportional to our believing it and our embracing it and our taking it. Because, see, just joy that God gives us, you can take all the way to heaven. This joy that you get from things that we're doing on this earth, you're going to have to give that up. You're going to have to take it with you. You take your joy with you. It's perpetual. It's not going to ever go out. That's the Holy Spirit. It's there. It's perpetual. The star of Bethlehem will never set in a sense. It won't. And then, and then lastly, promoting this joy. So what have we said about strength, this joy? It's pure. The strength of joy is pure. It is powerful. It is perpetual. And one more point about perpetual. I was reading in Luke 10, and you've been there, where the disciples go out, and Jesus gave them power, and they had power over demons, and they come back excited about it. You remember what Jesus said? He said, rejoice not that you have power on earth, but you rejoice because your name is written in heaven. You know what that means? Your name is written in heaven. As a believer in Lord Jesus Christ, he says you can rejoice perpetually. Because your name is written in heaven. And God's not going to erase that out. Oh man, we only say, what joy that is. I might not get everything I, I want on earth. Everybody not, might not like me here that I wish it would like me. I, I might be able to do this, that, and the other. But your name's in heaven, Randy. You remember that. You remember that. Brings you joy. So lastly, promoting joy. I want you to turn with me before we go home. Romans chapter 14. I read some of Jerry Bridges' work. I like that guy's writings. And he has a book, Discipline of Grace, or Practice of God, I guess. Maybe that's it. And there's a section on joy. And he elaborates on this particular point. I don't have time to, to do it like he did, but I, I want to make a few notes. Romans 14. And notice, help, let us notice. In verse 17. I'm talking about how we now, here's the ball in our court, how we can promote joy. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, I knew, I knew in my little mind, righteousness and peace had to be a part of it. But you know, I, I, I hate to admit that I just miss joy. <laughs> and that's what the Bible says, and joy. In the Holy Ghost. And he says in verse 18, For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. You catch what he's saying? He doesn't say, well, if you have peace and righteousness, 
That's okay with God. He can't, what pleases God is you got joy too. So it matters that we have joy in our life and we need to be promoted. The Apostle Paul in Acts 20, 24, you know what he said? He said, I, that I may have joy or that I may finish my course with joy is what Paul said. Don't you want to live your life ever how it be? You don't want to just rust out, do you? I mean, don't you want to say, I want to serve God, but I'm going to do it with joy. Paul says, I want to finish my course, my life's course, with joy. And you know, he ended up saying, as you know, when he was dying from a Roman prison, you think that destroyed his joy? <laughs> he says, I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished my course. And he was looking forward to that crown of righteousness, what I know had to include joy. I'll tell you, when we really get with God like we need to be, and we understand this message is personal, notice he said, the angel wasn't talking to the other angels, he said, unto you. Now you can, you can quibble with your life like you want to. I mentioned these shepherds. You say, well, I'm not worthy to have joy. I'm going to tell you. God makes you worthy. That's what Jesus came to do, okay? And these shepherds didn't say, well, I'm not worthy. They said, they rejoiced. And they hadn't hit the road to tell other people. They were promoting the joy that God gives us. And I believe that needs to start in our homes. I'm going to close in Nehemiah. I'm asking you to go, but you don't have to go back there. I'm going to read, I think it's in the 12th, the uh, 12th chapter. It's kind of a conclusion to what happened when they really did what they were called to do. And chapter 12, verse 43, says this. And they offered... That says this, chapter 43, Nehemiah 12 says this, verse 43, I'm sorry, chapter 12. Also, that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced. (laughs) And God made them rejoice with great joy. See, God makes you rejoice so much that you're willing to give up something. That's what they were doing. With great joy, and why of the wives also and the children rejoiced, so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard even afar off. I'm convinced that we need joy. And God knows that we do. The deal is we have it. Believers in Christ. And there might be something hanging around your heart in life. You know some sin. You know, you've got to deal with that. And you won't have joy without it. But when you do, you know what? I, I was thinking the other day, you talk about joy, and I've experienced this, and you probably have too. You know, how in the world I can commit a sin that I've committed before, so to speak, and I, can, I feel that joy and miserable state when that happens, and you get out on your knees, and you beg God, and you confess that to Him, and God just gives you a flush of forgiving joy. Man, isn't that a blessing? What a joy to know that God is so long-suffering and patient and powerful and gives us strength to have joy. May the Lord bless us. You know, I believe in a sense that if we're not joyful, 
as Christians, we're really practicing atheism. I know that sounds kind of hard, but I really believe that. I believe that if we're not joyful, I'm not talking about some sort of giddy joke telling all the time. I'm talking about a deep, pure joy that gives us strength and is strengthening to others. You know, there's people that you can go to and they're going to bring you down. And there's people that has this joy and they're optimistic. And they're like um, Joshua and Caleb when they've gotten back from the promised land seeing the giants and all the problems. They said, man, let's go. I'm ready to go. They had the strength and the joy that comes when we believe God. And just like the people in Nehemiah's day, they had mourned, they didn't do it. I can mourn and cry my eyes out because I have missed God's mark. I have committed sin. But when I come to understand that God says, Randy, and God is saying to you, you don't be, you don't be mourning. Jesus has come. This bundle of joy, you rejoice. You take these glad tidings wherever they may go. May the Lord bless you. Would you bow with me? Oh, Heavenly Father, I don't know how much babbling I've done, probably a lot, but if one person in this room or one listener somewhere could have an increase of joy, then it's worth my little venture. We thank you, God, for the joy. We ask you, Lord, to forgive us for neglecting joy. For when we do, we're neglecting our salvation. And we're spitting in the very face of Jesus. Help us, O God, to be pure joy. To know how powerful it is. To know that it's never going to quit. It's everlasting, just like your love. We pray, O oh Lord, that you'd give us many opportunities to promote it. The only thing that bothers us about asking you that is we know that it's going to come most often and most likely in the context of hurt and from the platform of disgrace and failure. We will be required to dive into the depth an ocean of joy. But we know, Lord, that you'll be there and that you'll be glorified. And we thank you for loving us and for giving us your Son. In Jesus' name, amen.